1: Well, welcome to River Valley Christian Fellowship. If you're a guest with us, man, I'm so thankful that you are here. You can be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be today. I want to start out, I want to show you a picture. This is on the outer banks of North Carolina. Uh, This is the precursor to the United States Coast Guard. In the late 1700s, a group of people in this town had literally on more than one occasion stood on the beach and watched a ship out sink and watched the men on the ship die. And so they decided to start what they called at that time the life-saving service. And so they built this this cabin here, and the idea was a group of volunteers would come into the town, and during uh, bad storms they would literally watch the horizon for ships. And they made a pact with each other, and their motto was, we don't have to come out, come back, but you have to go out. If you sign up, you have to go out. And in all the years, and all the hundreds of people that got saved at the life saving service, no one ever came to the shack to get saved. Always, they went out to save. One of the most famous stories of that was, was uh, during the 1800s, what was called the 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 um, storm of the century. In the area that was called the graveyard of the Atlantic, the, the sands had shifted so often the sea captains didn't know where to come in, and they would often either run aground or literally run and, and have their ship destroyed. And so the men who were on the, at the life-saving station during a storm watched as four men, the only four that were left on the ship, held to a mast on a ship and were floating. And they knew it was so treacherous out there, they knew they probably wouldn't survive. So they left one man behind, and each of them gave him a verbal will. This, you know, my possessions go to this person, tell my wife this, and I love her. And, and they each gave a verbal will, and they walked and they uh, rode out into the storm. It took them over 10 hours of rowing to get there, because the storm was so fierce and they were so far out. But they eventually came, and they eventually were able to save all four of those men. And it was that type of idea that made this place, this is where one of the United States Coast Guard's uh, historical uh, places is, it was that type of bravery that made a spawn for heroes, because they had to go out. No one ever came to get saved at the shack, they always went to see them. In the same way, we're going to look today at the mission statement of Jesus, who never says, hey, come to heaven and figure me out, who always says, I go, and I go to the people. I go out. And we're going to look at that and make a comparison today to how we are to live our lives. So, Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be today, and we'll keep our Bibles open because we'll be back and forth in the text. Now, Luke 19 verse 1 says, he entered, this is uh, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running on ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see who Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. So let's look at introductions. Whenever you read the Bible, always look at the different people in the story so that you understand the story. So we're going to look at Zacchaeus and Jesus. At this point, Jesus is in what's called the year of popularity. He had massive crowds following him, and if he was ever known to be going to a place, the whole town or the whole area showed up. And we see that in this text as he goes into Jericho. They're lining the streets. Everybody wants to get a piece of Jesus at this point because if you're sick, maybe he'll heal you. If you're hungry, maybe He'll feed you. I mean, even He's raised people from the dead. It is amazing. You definitely want to go out and see Jesus. So, He's hugely popular at this point. We see that. There's these large crowds that are gathered around. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 6, will start giving the gospel that it's not about you getting all of these things. It's about salvation in me that's really important, and a lot of crowds will turn away. But not now. Man, He is at His absolute apex of popularity. And then we have Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is in the town, and the Bible says he was a chief tax collector. Zacchaeus was a Jew, but he had betrayed his own people. And what he had done is basically bought a taxing franchise from the Romans. And it cost an exorbitant amount of money to get this franchise, and the Romans literally didn't pay you in return. They just charged you to get this franchise. So how did you make your money? you taxed people. I mean, people would come in once a year and they would be taxed for their land or their farms or whatever it was they have. They would also set up tax stations like toll booths on roads. The Bible says he was a chief tax collector, and so what he did was he was like, ooh, I'll get other tax collectors under me, so you go over here and you tax them for this. And you go over here and you tax them for this. The problem with the tax collection system was he owed all this money from buying this franchise and he made no money from the taxes they all had to go to Rome so what did he do he overcharged he overcharged people and there was nothing they could do about it because the one thing that the Romans did do was provide a few soldiers so if I say you owe this amount of money, you're like, I'm not paying it. But when you've got two soldiers on each side with spears and swords, all of the sudden, when you've got someone holding a gun to your head, you tend to file your taxes correctly. That's the way it works. So. And so that's what was happening, but he was overcharging them. So Zacchaeus probably would have had the largest house in town. He would have had the nicest clothes. He would have thrown the best parties. He was very well known in his town, but he was hated because he was cheating and stealing From his own people For the dreaded Romans So that's who we find in this story Now let's look again at verse 5 and 6 And see how Jesus deals with Zacchaeus Oh, and then also Um if you know that I find it, I always find it interesting that he was—he was short. The average man at this time was five foot four, so Zacchaeus was a very, very short man. And if you grew up in church, you knew he was a wee little old man, and a wee little old man was he, right? If you didn't grow up in church, you're sitting there thinking, "I don't know what's going on right now." All right, so so we can sing that song at the end. I think it's very worshipful. Uh, it is all. <laughs> No, it's not. (laughs) Verse 5, so Jesus comes to the place. He looked up and saw Zacchaeus in his his tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary, I must, for me to stay at your house. So Zacchaeus quickly came down, and he welcomed him joyfully. So now let's look at the invitation. We know both parties, but here's Jesus saying, I am. Am inviting me into, like, I'm inviting you to be a part of my life. I want to be with you. And I love the words here because it says it's necessary. Some translations say I must. It's an imperative that this happens. Christians are marked by a love and a, a longing for lost people to know Jesus Christ. Christians are marked by looking at people who do not know Jesus Christ, and we don't go, look at them, look at the sinners. We don't do that. We say, look at them, Jesus. Man, that's, that was me. That was me. God saved them. It is an imperative that we love and are burdened for the loss at River Valley. That we truly look at those who do not know Jesus, regardless of the differences that we have with them, and we are burdened for them. It is not a, I should really think about that, or I might invite people from time to time, or I'll try that out, or the very spiritual answer, I'll pray about that. You don't have to pray about it. If Jesus did it, we emulate Him. Then we are burdened for an invitation to say, come into the presence of God. I want you to know this wonderful Jesus who I serve. Now, let me give you a list of the people. You should invite everyone all the time. Everyone all the time. But let me give you a a list of the people to kind of shake you through of the people that you know that really and truly, um, uh, because of your influence, have a great shot at them finding Christ. The uh, first—who would really respond to the gospel of an invitation? The first group is those you love. Those you love. Your friends, your family, your coworkers, and your neighbors. If you've been here any time at River Valley, you've heard us talking about your friends, your family, your coworkers, and your neighbors. Looking around at the people of the world and just seeing God, man, I, they need a church home. They need a family of God. They need Jesus Christ, and being burdened for those. And when we love them, it's easy. When we love them because we're serving them, We're, 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 we're nice to them as co-workers, we're good to them as family, and so when we say, I would love for you to come on Easter, it's amazing how well that invitation goes. And it's always a good time to invite people to River Valley. I love that we don't really go through like, like a lot of topical stuff because you might, you know, people be like, well, what's your pastor preaching on? You're like, I don't know. Uh, yeah You know, it might be good. The band's always good. And, uh, yeah you know, so very seldom does he totally strike out, but it's fine. But it's the idea of inviting those people into your life that, that you care for, that you love, that you've invested in. Because you could just like, you know I love you. I want this for you. And so investing in that way. But then also, uh, the next group is people who are in transition. When people are in transition, they are looking for new patterns. They're looking for new habits in their life. So uh, when you move, it's a transition. When you get married, it's a transition. When you have a new baby, it's a transition. And then your children transition all along the way. I mean, think about it. When, when a couple goes from having preschooler to, to school age, they probably thought at some point, well, we're going to have some spiritual training for this child. And then all of a sudden you look and you're like, hey, your child's is a th- their, uh, time with you is a third over, and you haven't had them in church. It's time to get them in church. And so, it's a good transition. It's another transition when they get out of school age and they become teenagers, because by that point the parent is thinking, you know, I might kill them. And so, I, I need some help with this child, you, you know. And so, so but all along the way, those type of transitions in their life, you can really and truly, those are times that people are very open to new and the gospel. It's all, now, those are all good transitions, but it's also true with negative transitions. Divorces, you're, you're lonely all of a sudden. Deaths or illnesses, things that have, have, you know, taken away something within your life. My last church, I was, I was the youth pastor, I wasn't the, the lead pastor, I was the youth pastor, but I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and someone in our crowd had invited a, uh, I was in Abilene, a big Air Force base there, and there was a colonel there, and he was ret- a retired Air Force colonel, but he had recently lost his wife, she had recently passed away. And so he came on a Sunday morning, this couple invited him, and then he, man, uh, he was in his 60s, and he heard me preach, I actually preached on hell that day, and he, he, he heard that, and the next day, he came to my office. Now listen, if you don't know this about men in general, but especially, you know, like old Air Force-type guys, let me tell you what. Women, you can share deep, dark secrets with anyone all the time. Men find it amazing. I mean, you can meet someone in the the aisle at HEB, and pretty soon you're telling them your life story. I mean, mean, you can do that. Men don't do that. Men will have a best friend for 10 years, and then finally in the 10th year, he'll go, I didn't know you were married. You're like, yeah, I was going to get around to it. Yeah, you know, like I just, I'm not good at sharing my feelings, right? You know, I didn't know how you'd feel about wives. I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so this guy comes up to the office because he wants to talk about the sermon because he really—you could tell God working, but, but he wasn't like, hi, hey, I'd like to talk about what it would look like to have Jesus in my life. Instead, he was like, hi, uh, you know, I was just wondering if we could just, uh, you know, talk, you know, you know, shooting the breeze and everything. And you could tell, like, God was working, but he, he didn't know how to—I was like, sit down. Let's talk about Jesus. And, and uh, I led him to faith in Christ, and it was, it was like a crazy transformational type of faith. I mean, he got saved. I baptized him the next week. I was like, hey, Christians serve. And at that church on Wednesday night, we had, we had uh, dinners that they, we would do before Bible study and stuff. And so the next Wednesday night, I mean, he was serving my hamburger. And then I was like, hey, you know, Christians read their Bibles. And he was like, well, I don't have one. And so I brought him a Bible. And a few weeks later, he was like, that was a great book. I mean, like, he read it. I was like, man, that is crazy. You know, let's be honest. There's a ton of you that have read through the Bible by Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you're like, I don't know who these people are and what a begat is. That's what you're doing. So, you know, that's a total churchy joke, by the way. Uh, so he was, was crazy crazy saved it was but he he got there because of a transition in his life and i used to or i still go back to that church all the time he's he's passed away now um but i every time i went back to preach because when he first heard me preach i preached on hell he's an old air force colonel he'd come up to me and he, hey cody are you preaching today yeah he'd go give him hell and i was like oh this is awesome you know you you take almost all of it out of him it was awesome So, those who are in transitions, the next group that really is open to the gospel are people that are perfect. People that are perfect. People who try to not just Instagram their life, but try to live like it's Instagram all the time. People who put up a facade of everything's going good in their life. People who don't admit problems. Listen. When you invite people like that, sometimes you're dropping seeds because the facade will crumble. The, you know, the, the way they're portraying their life won't, won't hold up because it's not true. But the way that you invite them is really important for this group. If you know someone that you're like, man, they seem to have it all together, either because of their financial life or their status, you know, their, their type of job or whatever it is, the best thing that you can do is be really honest and vulnerable. Man, just really and truly, like, look, we don't pose here. We really and truly need Jesus. And since I've been going to church, or this is what God has done recently, man, God, you know, I, we, we had some problems with my kid or uh, my marriage, and then God is working and God is doing these things. Be really, really careful that you're making sure and, and inviting people in a way where they can see that well. The last group is the opposite of people who are perfect, and that's people who are a mess. People who are a mess. I don't know about you. I'm not good. Like people sometimes think since I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a good counselor, and I'm not. Um, and and so, so, you know, especially people with like a lot of problems, uh, they'll be like, man, our marriage is struggling. And, and uh, you know, I'm drinking too much. And, and my kids are smoking some weed. And, and our finances are this. And, and, you know, all this. And, and on the inside, I'm like, I, man, that, that sounds horrible. I mean, I'm not good at it at all. You know, I'm like, because I often think, like, how do you fix that? Like, you've got like five problems. Like, like, how do you deal with that? And here's how you deal with it. You put Jesus right in the middle. You put Jesus right in the middle of their life. Now, be careful with people who have kind of messed up lives. You do a disservice to the gospel when you basically invite them and say, if you'll just come to church, Jesus will fix all your problems. That's not true, and that's not what you want anyway. Jesus doesn't fix all your problems, and even if he does, we get Jesus, he's better. He's so much better than ease in this world. We get the God of the universe Offer the God of the universe who will sit right in the middle of your life and deal with each and every successive issue in your life and bring you a vision for your life and a purpose for your life and meaning out of chaos in your life. That is a God worth serving, and your life will change over time. But that's not why we do it. We do it because He's so amazing. He's so wonderful. So invite them, but when you invite them, make sure that you're talking about how much Jesus does in that now. Let's look at verse 6 and 7 So Jesus came down and welcomed him joyfully and all who saw it began to complain He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Let's look at the investment that Jesus gives him here Jesus gives him a tremendous investment of his time his thought his energy his focus his attention You and I if we're really going to win the world of Jesus Christ, we need to invite everyone but we need to also invest. We need to invest in those people that we love. We need to invest in that. I have, I have one neighbor. I love her. She's so wonderful, man. And, and I've prayed for her in sickness. i prayed for her as her husband. I, like, I, I genuinely love her, and I tell her that often. I love you, and I invest in that way. I want her to know Jesus Christ, but I want her to know, like, I truly, I truly, I truly love her. We've got to invest in people. Not everyone can do it for everyone, but you can do it for people around you. Invest in them, in, your, in their life. Give them your time. Now, one of the reasons I think that we don't do this real well, invite people uh, to church, talk about Jesus out in public and stuff, is because we're we're afraid. Maybe you've, you've had someone who's been kind of off-putting by that. Um, some of you, you, you know, like there, there are some people that are just like, you're like whoa man he came in hot and heavy With Jesus and uh, you're, you're just like I don't want to be off putting Or what I hear this is actually the most common is I don't want to make a mistake I don't want to like talk to people About Jesus and make a mistake And then go well you said this And that wasn't true right like that's what we're kind of Afraid of let me tell you what you know what the mistake We make the only mistake That you can make Is not talking That's the mistake that you'll make if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm afraid, then you're, you're, you're kind of putting it on yourself. Like, think about my job if I did that. Like, it was my job to make sure that you know Jesus. That would be overwhelming to me. I would be like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm not that good of a speaker. I don't, I don't know that much. I don't know how to sway crowds, Jesus. I don't know. That's not my job. What is amazing about it is when you glorify Jesus and the gospel goes out, God does that work. God does that work for you. And so the only investment you need to make is is glorifying Jesus, talking about him, inviting people to church, inviting people to, to situations like that, and making sure that they know the God of the universe. And watch God. God will work. He will absolutely work. I can't tell you the number of times this has happened at River Valley. I mean, multiple times I've invited someone to, G, uh, to church and they've said, you, can't, we were talking about that just this week. Like that has happened so many times at River Valley. We were just talking about that. And then sometimes they're like, and we didn't even know where to go. And I was like, well, here it is right here. I mean, it's like amazing when you're willing to work with God, how he brings people in and he's working on their behalf, Invest in them in that way. And then I want to show you the inclusion in the family of God. Verses 8 and following, so Zacchaeus stood there and he said, Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. So Jesus says in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. So what's happened here? He has been included. He is included into the family of God. This is the inclusion of Zacchaeus. He is now a member of the family of God. He is going forward. What is the mission statement of God? Put that uh, verse 10 back up there for me, please. Here is the, the, um, the mission statement of Jesus. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. I want us to read that together out loud today, and I want you to own it, that if this is what Jesus is about, this is what we are about at River Valley. We are about what the Son of Man is about. So read it with me out loud. Here we go. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to invite people into a relationship with God the Father. He is seeking them out. He is seeking them out through circumstances that it will be uh, well received. He is seeking them out in a way that, that the gospel will go forward to them and they will, they will accept it. Jesus is right now seeking out the people that you love. He is right now concerned with not the chairs that are full in this place alone, but the chairs that are empty because they're not here. Jesus is concerned for the lost. He loves them. And Jesus wants those of us who are a part of that to be concerned as well. So today we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because for so many of us right now, we know salvation. Like we're going into Easter knowing we're saved. But as a church, we are concerned for those that do not know salvation. So, if you didn't get uh, one of the Lord's Supper on the way in, raise your hand up and they're going to pass some out. Ben, I forgot to get one for this service as well. Um, And so, oh, nice. Front row. Thank you, Josh. Man, give yourself a raise. All right, there we go. So, (laughs) So, if you don't have one, raise it up. If you'd like to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us. Now let me make sure you understand what we're doing If you're new here, we would love for you uh, Even if you're a guest with us To celebrate the Lord's Supper with us But this is for believers in Christ This is a remembrance of what Jesus has done Jesus died on the cross for our sins He was buried in the tomb And on the third day He came alive So that those who ask Him To be the Lord of their life Will come in Thank you Give me one more Cool So If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, this does not save you. It absolutely does not. What this represents means everything to salvation. See, the the Bible talks about that Jesus said, this bread is like my body, and it's broken. Jesus was crucified, was beaten and bruised for us. And Jesus says, this blood is a new covenant that will cleanse you of sins. This does not do it. This reminds us of who does it. Jesus forgives our sins and sets us free. And Jesus says for us today that we need to remember why we take this. So I want to invite you right where you are to bow your heads for just a moment of reflection. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus came to forgive sins. Jesus came to set us free. And the Bible says that before, as believers, we take the Lord's Supper, that we ought to examine ourselves. We ought to examine ourselves. Remember that Jesus forgives us of our sins. So I want you to think. I mean, think about the text today. Some of us have not been concerned for the lost. In fact, it's almost like they bother us. That's pretty common in church. For some of us, we're getting to be a very polarized society. And for some of us, the people that vote different from us, we're starting to hate. When Jesus says, I love them. If that's you, confess those things to Jesus. What about your mind and what you've thought your heart and its emotions, your hands and what you do, your feet and where you've gone or not gone. Whatever God brings to your attention, confess those things to Jesus. Father, we thank you, God, that even in the midst of our sin, God, you set us free and you forgive us. Jesus, we acknowledge that when guests come in, when the lost come in, that they are us. That none of us is saved except by the grace of Jesus Christ by your death on the cross. We have not lived perfect. And God, in those ways that we have not served you well and faithfully, I pray that you would forgive us and set us free. I pray that we at River Valley would be good examples of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and take out your bread. On the night that Jesus died... He said, this is my body. And on the next morning, he was whipped. He had a crown of thorns put on his head. He had nails driven into his hands and feet. He had a spear into his side. Jesus' body was broken for us. So before you take it, break that in your hand. Break that. Jesus was broken for us. We welcome broken people. God, thank you for your body being broken for us. Jesus also took the cup and Jesus said this is a new covenant a covenant is a binding agreement the agreement that God always has with his people is I will be your God and I will adopt you and you can be my people God says I want you to be my people but you've got to let me be your God I am in control. I am the Lord of your life. I give direction and input. My word is your guide. My spirit is your reminder. My church is your home. The people of God are your family. Welcome to the family of God. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, He says, I want to adopt you as a son or daughter. God, we thank you today for those who have been adopted, and we pray for those who are yet... Now, you guys in the band can go ahead and come on back up. And here's what we're going to do in closing today. All along the front are um, pads of paper like this. You see them on the walls already from the first service. And literally all along the front, these are here. And in the chairbacks in front of you, we've got uh, cards for our new sermon series, Christian Con Carne. Every day is a good day to invite people to church, but Easter is Easter. (laughs) Easter is is the resurrection Easter is that And so today we want to pray for those things that God has taught us in this text And so what we're going to do uh, as we begin to uh, as we begin to as the band begins to lead us Is we're going to get up and i'm going to invite you up to the front And i'm going to invite you to get one of these cards And i'm going to invite you to write the name of the person or people That you are praying for this easter now some of them might be far away You know family members who don't live here and that's okay pray for those people but I also want you to pray for those who you are going to invite the you know the people that you know the people that you've invested in the people that were brought to your attention as we went through that list and I want you to write those names and then I want you to go all along these walls and you can just keep spreading out and I want you to go all along these walls and I want you to write the names on there we stick them up there I want you to lay your hands on them and I want you to pray for them out loud don't rush in this We've got all, uh, we're right on time as far as services go, but pray for their circumstances. Pray for the things surrounding, that you know that they, they need. Pray that the way that God could use those. Pray for a good invitation from you. Like they're just like, oh, we, I mean, you, just, just circumstances to work out. Pray over their life. Man, ask God to give you a burden for people who are lost. Ask God to give you a burden for the people that you love that don't know Him. And ask God the Father. He came to seek and to save the lost. God, go out before me. God, prepare the way. Give my words clarity and vision around this. And so we're going to pray over these, and you're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll finish out singing together. So God, the names on these lists are people that are dear to us because they are dear to You. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that You will give us who to invite, God, that you will give us uh, preparing the way that we will have smooth uh, conversations because you have prepared the way in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.